0: 15, that's good, children. Amen. Nothing like children singing. Amen. Stirs your heart. I ought to get some of you adults singing too. Amen. Thank God. 1 Corinthians. Let's go to chapter 15 again. I'm going to try to be brief because a lot of you look sleepy. I don't know why. Too much ham. You ate too much rabbit today. Amen. That's what it was. Amen. First Corinthians chapter 15. It's called the Resurrection Classic. We ended with Paul's testimony. He, wasn't even, he didn't say he was even uh, the least of the apostles, but he was because he persecuted the church. What a change the gospel makes in a person's life. And then he said in verse 10, By the grace of God, I am what I am, and the grace which was bestowed upon me is not in vain, that I labor more abundantly than they all, yet not I but the grace of God which was with me. This persecutor became a preacher. This murderer became a missionary. And thank God, I'm going to tell you something, friend. God used and right most of the New Testament. Amen, including the book of Hebrews, I believe. And I thank God. I thank God for this testimony of what God can do. But then he goes on to say in verse 11, Therefore, whether it were I or they, so we preach, and so we believe. The key is believing. Amen. And uh, I thank God for these children. I couldn't even memorize all those words uh, Sawyer and all these kids memorize. But uh, thank God here they are uh, with it in their heart. And now I want to stand on the word of God. I'm going to read verses 12 and following. It says, Now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? And many people say that today. But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then Christ... Is not risen, and if Christ be not risen, then our preaching's vain, and your faith is also vain. Nothing to say. Yea, and if we found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that He raised up Christ, whom He raised not up, if if so be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. For if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain. You are yet in your sins, and then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. But I like this next two words. But now Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that sleep. For th- since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all died, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But every man in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, after as they that are Christ at his coming, then come at the end when he shall have delivered up the kingdom of, to God, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and power. For he must reign, So he hath put all enemies under his feet, and the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. You may be seated as I pray. Father, thank you for the resurrection. Lord, we know it is ultimately, preeminently important in our doctrine. Lord, if this doctrine is not real, then Christianity is not real, and none of the other doctrines are real. So Lord, help us to nail it down tonight that we believe that you're alive. God telling just in the children's attitudes tonight, singing, we know that He's alive in their hearts. And God, give us childlike trust, but Lord, we don't have to throw our brains in the trash can to be a Christian. God, give us some facts, uh, give us some evidence tonight, uh, give us some authority as we witness. And God, help us to uh, not apologize, but Lord, to have the Word of God in our hearts in such a way that we can witness and tell others that indeed. You died, you was buried, and three days later you arose from the dead. We're going to thank you and praise you for what you teach us tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, regardless of how you've been raised or what church you might be affiliated with, the resurrection is real important. Matter of fact, it's not just real important, it's vitally important. The Apostle Paul wrote this important resurrection letter to the church of Corinth that was in a mess. I mean, there was uh, sin abounding, uh, carnality, uh, abuse of gifts, people getting drunk around the Lord's supper table. My goodness, that'd be a hard uh, church to pastor. I don't think any of y'all's got drunk around the Lord's supper table lately. But I want to say this, folks, he was a mess and things were going bad. And so he just ends the, the first Corinthians. And I know a pre- preacher that uh, is a pastor of Corinth Baptist Church, and he says it's of the second epistle because it gets better on the second epistle. But he ends it with a resurrection classic. And he says, he's alive. And if he's alive, he'll make a difference in your life. And there's no other name under heaven whereby we must be saved. And folks, the only way to be saved is the death, the burial, and the resurrection. I hope you were not offended by the simplicity of the gospel this morning, because there was a lot of people that's never heard it that was in our uh, in the sanctuary this morning, I promise you, they've never heard that message. Never living in good old America, uh, the USA, and in the South, in the buckle of the Bible Belt. Almost Atlanta, Georgia, Dalton, Georgia, and thank God for the gospel. Uh, the gospel is uh, the power unto salvation to the Jew first, and also the Gentile, and to the and to the uttermost parts of the world. And folks, there's evidence. They ought to convince you of the resurrection. I'm going to give you seven of them this morning, or tonight, and I'll be as quick as I possibly can if you'll listen. I'll tell you what, slap the neighbor next to you if he falls asleep or she falls asleep. Uh, Take a little sip of Mountain Dew, but don't let me see it. And just stay awake, amen, just stay awake. I'm going to give you seven reasons why I believe in the resurrection. Number one, the historicity of Jesus of Nazareth is airtight. There's Bible manuscripts, quality of manuscripts like the Dead Sea Scrolls, like the, and there's quantity. There's over 200 manuscripts found. Uh, all these uh, philosophers of the Bible days, there might be two or three manuscripts. There's, oh yeah, Aristotle, he lived, and this philosopher lived, and this philosopher lived. But I going to tell you something, friend. Thank God we have the Bible. Thank God. We have prophecy. Thank God we have the inerrant, inspired word of God. And if the Bible says he arose, that's enough for me. Amen? So we have biblical evidence. And we ought to go by the Bible. We don't go by our feelings. We don't go by our flippant attitudes. We go by the Bible. And folks, there's a biblical manuscripts, thousands of them. And, and, you can, uh, and I believe that he preserved the word of God. And it's inerrant and it's inspired. And many times, all through the Old Testament, as we studied this morning, we we'll won't go back to those prophecies. And all through the New Testament, there's the death, burial, and resurrection. Many times, Jesus said, I'll be buried, I'll, I'll die, I'll be buried, and I'll rise again. And the disciples rejected that because they wanted a national leader, they wanted a military leader. And then there's extra biblical sources. Extra biblical sources. Josephus, uh, a uh, Jewish philosopher, historian. And then there was the uh, man named, and I'm going to quote him and read you his letter. His name is P-L-I-N-Y, Pliny. I'm going to call him Pliny. That might not be the pronunciation. And then Tacitus. And uh, folks, uh, these men wrote in the Bible days, and they wrote about a rebellious sect called Christians. And they wrote about whether they should persecute them and how they should kill them and how they should execute them and it's very interesting if you read uh, the accounts of of Finney and uh, uh, I'll I'll read one in just just a few moments about him Uh, and folks it's extra biblical sources that uh, you can go to the world and say listen not only the Bible say that Jesus was alive history says that Jesus is alive matter of fact this is the best history book you'll ever read amen but there's history all through the history and then there's archaeological confirmations. You know, they found a piece of Noah's Ark. They find uh, 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 several artifacts uh, that tell us that Jesus was alive. Uh, somebody told me I ought to go to, the, go to the, uh, the Holy Land. Never got to go to the Holy Land. Matter of fact, Miss Elsie sent me one time to the Holy Land and I never made it. Never got on the plane. And, um, uh, you know, and, and one guy said, uh, said to Brother Rick, uh, he was a prophecy expert. And he was kind of pungent. He was, well, he was really rude. Uh, he, he said, uh, hey, Liz, how can you preach the Bible uh, if you've never been to the Holy Land? Just rebuked him publicly. And he looked at him and said, brother, I'll tell you what, I can preach on hell. I've never been there either. <laughs> hey, amen, that's a pretty good comeback, I think. Amen. But anyway, uh, archaeological confirmation. Uh, dig it out sometime, amen? And then, uh, folks, number two, not only do we have uh, uh, the hist- history of Jesus of Nazareth, that's airtight. That's phenomenal. I mean, it's, it's, it, there's volumes written about him, more than any man, and his, and his history has lasted. Everybody else's history has faded. And then number two, the character of Jesus is unquestionable. Friend and foe agreed that he was a great man. Cults agreed that he was a great man, a great teacher. But folks, I want to tell you what made him different than all the rest. He claimed, and he was, sinless. He's the sinless son of God. And that stops all arguments and all debate. There is nobody like him. And Jesus Christ is the sinless son of God. I mean, when they started deb- debating and questioning him, he just said, if I, you, can, you can examine my life. I'm sinless. Pilate said it like this, I find no fault in the man. But we're going to crucify him anyway because it's politically correct. And so, folks, he, was, uh, he claimed a sinless life. It was affirmed by history. And I don't say this, it was affirmed by impact. There ain't nobody made such a difference as Jesus. Say so amen. In every country that'll accept Jesus, things change. Every person, when Jesus comes in their life, they change. And so, folks, the character of Jesus, number two, tells me with uh, with no hesitation that he is the Son of God and that he arose from the dead. Number three, I'll try to go through these real quick because I want to get to the point. The works of Jesus went unchallenged. The works of Jesus, the facts of his miracles were never challenged. The feeding of the 5,000. Hey, friend, listen, I want to tell you something. There's no dispute. Nobody disputed it. They didn't like it. They shamed him for some of them was uh, the miracles that took place, but they never could dispute that miracles took place. The eyewitnesses of count validified his miracles. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The Apostle Paul. Peter. I'm telling you, friend, they saw it. They saw he could touch the, the lame and they'd walk. He could touch the blind, they could see. He could touch the deaf and they could hear. Hey, friend, three times he touched the dead. and they came alive. The only thing is, they didn't stay alive, amen. He's the only one that stayed alive. There's a lot of resurrections in the Bible, but he's the eternal resurrection. And folks, listen, the eyewitness accounts validified the miracles, And so the works of Jesus went unchallenged. I love the sermon in Acts chapter 2 when even unbelievers acknowledged his work. And thank God, friend, I'm gonna tell you something. When he preached, he preached on the death, the burial, and the resurrection. And 3,000 people were saved. And folks, a lot of people get hung up on the tongues, the translations, the Russian mighty wind, the cloven tongues of fire. And by the way, if you're going to believe in tongues, you better believe in the cloven tongues of fire and the Russian mighty wind. Because that just is equal miracles in that day. But folks, the miracle of Pentecost was 3,000 souls that hated Jesus, probably were Jewish and thought that Jesus was wrong, got saved by the power of preaching the cross. The power of preaching, the death, the burial, and the resurrection. Thank God, three thousand people were saved. And then let, let me just let me just go on and say this: number four, the identity of Jesus was confirmed. Jesus confirmed it himself. He said, "I am the way, the truth, and the life." Amen. My friend, listen. Nobody could just say that without without getting run out of town, or at least get a TV program or go on uh, go on the circuit. Folks, he said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life." Hey, folks, not only did Jesus confirmed Jesus' identity, but God confirmed it. Look at Mark chapter 9, what we're going through on Sundays, uh, except we took a break today. But Mark chapter 9 and verse 7, please. Turn in your Bible. Mark chapter 9, verse 7. And the last two points are going to take a little while, so I'm just flying through these. Mark chapter 9, verse 7, the Bible says, And there was a, there was a cloud overshadowing them, and a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved Son, hear him. God said that he was Jesus Christ. Folks, he said he was Christ Jesus. And then by his followers, look at next door, Mark chapter 8, verse 27. Mark chapter 8, verse 27. The Bible says, And Jesus went out and his disciples into the towns of Caesarea Philippi. And by the way, he asked his disciples, saying unto them, Whom do men say that I am? And folks, I want to tell you something. They could not deny that he was God in flesh. Even his enemies said that Jesus was the Son of God. Look at John chapter 10 and verse 33, please. John chapter 10. This is going to be more of a Bible study than preaching, but we need the Bible. Amen? And we need these seven evidence that we can stand for Christ in these last days. John chapter 10, verse 33, the Bible says this. The Jews answered him saying, for a good work we stoned thee, but uh, not for a blasphemy. and because thou, being a man, maketh thyself God. Folks, he didn't make yourself God. He is God, amen? And so by his enemies, by his followers, by God, by himself, and then by people that were not even saved. This guy named Finny, uh, Pliny, not Finny, P L I N Y, AD 11. They found the manuscript in AD, uh, that was written in A.D. 111. And the fragments of this inscription. I've got a picture of it right here. It's just amazing. And folks, had, uh, he wrote a letter to the emperor, uh, Trajan, not Tarzan, Trajan, and he asked the council dealing with Christians, dealing with Christians. Now, this is all make-believe. Why did these Christians have to be dealt with, and why would anybody die for a lie. Folks, hypoc- hypocrites and martyrs are different in character. Say amen. Right. I mean, a hypocrite will cow down and run from trouble, but a martyr will stand for the truth. And folks, here's a whole group of people that were saved, that were standing, and he writes a letter to an imp- emperor on guidance of how they should be treated. And Pliny gives an account of how the trials are conducted and the various verdicts. That's in sections four through six of this manuscript. He says he first asks if the accused is, is a Christian. If they confess that they are, he integrates them twice for a total of three times, threatening them with death if they continue to confirm their belief. If they do not recant, then he orders them to be executed. That's right there in the letter. And he, he, was, ta- he was talking, he was, he, was, he was writing this letter. And despite uncertainties about the offenses connected with being Christians, uh, Pliny says that he has no doubt that whatever the nature of their creed, at least their inflexibility and obstinance and stubbornness, deserves punishment. Now wait a minute, here's a political leader of that day, a judge writing an emperor and says they're they're stubborn, Uh, they won't recant, Uh, they won't cow down, Uh, they're... They're worthy of death, is the, in the letter. And I will tell you something, friend. There is no way on this earth that anybody would die if they hadn't seen him, if they didn't believe he was alive, if they didn't believe that he was Jesus Christ. So even extra-biblical, and I don't refer to that at all. This is the first time probably in the pulpit in 41 years that I brought something up extra-biblical, because it sounds extra-liberal. But folks, it can be extra-intelligent. You don't have to throw your brains in the garbage can to be a Christian. Amen? You can study history and realize that, friend, thank God, there's fulfilled over 700 Old Testament prophecies in the Bible about the life of Christ. Amen? Every one of them came uh, uh, fulfilled in a in, in, in minute detail. Number five, the death of Jesus was undisputed. At the time of his death, friends and foe knew. The centurion soldier said, surely... This was a righteous man. Folks, I want to tell you something. The man on the right-hand side that Randy, uh, Brother Randy sang about so beautiful this morning, I guarantee you he would affirm that Jesus saves and that Jesus is God in the middle of uh, the middle cross. He'd done nothing amiss. Folks, he, we deserve our reward of uh, uh, our debt. We deserve to pay it, but he has done nothing. Lord, remember me when thou comest in thy kingdom. And he looked at him, and he said, today, Shall thou be with me in paradise, amen, today. Thank God for that, amen. And so folks, uh, by his flogging and the beating and the crucifixion, and folks, by medical evidence, the water and the blood indicates the puncture of the pericardium. That's when water and blood mixed. and folks, they literally pierced his heart, and he died on the cross. He didn't swoon. Folks, he, he was beat beyond recognition, the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 50. He was, the Bible says he didn't even look like a man. It wasn't one of those pretty pictures that we see in the living room t- around the living room supper table. Folks, he was beat beyond recognition, and most men didn't uh, survive the cat of nine tails and the and the uh, three hundred and fifty one furrows that was uh, raked across a man's body. But he did, and he was there six hours on the cross, three hours uh, in darkness. When all the demons of hell bombarded his soul, when he was paying your sin debt, and folks, there is no way he swooned. And folks, a preacher one time preached that, and a lady says, "We ought to take you out back, and we ought to beat you with a cat of nine tails. We ought to hang you on the cross for about six hours, and we'll see if you swoon." Amen, folks. He did not swoon. He died. He, did, he didn't uh, raise, uh, move a, a ton and a half rock, and then c- come out. Folks, the Lord raised him up from the dead. And then the burial of Jesus, number six, was public and secure. Joseph of Arimathea tomb. It was a public place, so to speak. And he was buried. Folks, when a person's buried, it's a proof of death. Amen? Now, I know we preached it this morning. He was buried to, to uh, uh, cast our sins into the deepest grave. And and we have victory over the defilement of sin, and that's all true, but folks. He was buried because he died, yeah. amen. And they wrapped him in spices and yeah. and uh, and put him in that tomb. And when he arose, that those uh, that mummified wrappings deflated, the napkin was folded in a neat fashion, set down. Praise God! He he walked out of that tomb after he commanded that stone to move. And praise God, I'm going to tell you something, that's, that napkin proved that he'd be back because that was a Jewish custom. And so, folks, listen, the death was undisputed, but his burial was very public, and it was very secure. Do you know a Roman legion, if they let a prisoner go, they were a dead man? I want you to look at Matthew chapter 28 at the biggest bribe in the Bible, the biggest bribe in the Bible, Matthew 28, the last book of, chapter of Matthew, and I want you to look at verse... Um, Uh, let's go back up to verse 10 the Bible says then said Jesus unto them Uh, be not afraid go tell my brethren that they go to Galilee and there shall they see me now when they were going behold some of the watch came into the city that's the soldiers and they showed unto the chief priests all things that were done So we're in trouble the tomb is empty he's not there well then they said in verse 12 Matthew 28 you with me it says, and when they were assembled with the elders and had taken counsel, they gave large money unto the soldiers. They bribed them, saying, Say ye, his disciples came by night and stole them away while we slept. Now, folks, that is embarrassing that a bunch of, what did they do, beat them over the head with fish? A bunch of disciples took a Roman soldier soldiers, and overcame them. He said they were asleep. And listen to this, and if this come to the governor's ears, we will persuade him and secure you. He won't kill you. So they took the money, they took the money, and did as they were taught. This saying is commonly reported among the Jews until this day. Folks, I want to tell you something. The Roman guards had a Roman seal that was the size of a tombstone. It took about 20 men to roll it on there, and it took about 20 men to roll it away from there. And praise God, the Lord just spoke it open. And move that stone. The penalty for losing your prisoner for the Roman legion was death. That's why when Paul and Silas escaped, the soldier began to take his sword out. And he was going to commit suicide on the spot. And Paul said, don't do yourself any harm. And he said, well, what must I do to be saved? He says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou, be, thou shalt be saved. And he got saved and his household. And they went home the whole family got saved. He was going to commit suicide because he was a dead man and so folks how in the world could anybody think that the little old disciples would go and overcome soldiers that was that was stationed by a tomb that was public and still the body let me just say this if they wanted to destroy the resurrection all they had to do was produce a body it'd be over that's it all they had to do is to say Here's the body. Here's the corpse. He's not alive. He's dead. There he is. But they couldn't, they couldn't say that because he was too busy appearing to 500 people and walking 40 days and still doing miracles and still blessing people and talking to people. And he even ascended to heaven and the whole crowd was watching him. He said, Why stand you here gazing? I'm coming back the same way I left. Amen? And folks, all they had to do was produce that body. Let's just get a little. Uh, down to earth uh, South Georgian theology here just use your common sense he's alive I mean he's alive no, so, no, 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 no disciples overcame the soldiers. Uh, <clears throat> there was no body and they even bribed him with great amount of money to cover it but folks I want you to know the seventh reason the evidence for Jesus resurrection is the most convincing to me It was predicted in the Old Testament. Exactly came true. I gave you the verses, Isaiah 53, Zechariah chapter 12, 12, on and on and on. But I want to say this. The evidence of Jesus' resurrection is so convincing, not because of the Old Testament prophets. Jesus predicted it. And he taught them and he told them. I just preached on that a couple of weeks ago. He appeared 12 different times to over 500 eyewitnesses. He appeared in multiple locations, times, over 40 days. And then I want to tell you what really, really convinces me that Jesus arose from the dead. The transformation of the disciples. Peter was a coward. The next time you see him after the resurrection, he's standing up and he's saying, you bunch of Jews nailed him to the cross. You bunch of heathen, you bunch of sinners, read it. And he's, he was buried but he arose. And they started, they were pricked in the heart. Holy Ghost conviction from the coward to the courageous preacher and said, what must I do to be saved? He said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Folks, I want to tell you something. When I see people like Peter that was transformed, all the men of God gave their lives They were witnesses, which means martyr. You do not die for a dead man. You do not die for a lie. That's absurd. You don't give your life for a cause that's not real. You don't give your life for religion. But you do give your life to the one that gave his life for you. And then died. And praise God, three days later, arose from the dead now back in our text in 1 Corinthians 15 I read it this morning but the testimony of the apostle Paul proves that the resurrection is real he said I'm the least of the apostles but I too saw him he saw him on the road to Damascus he got on conviction that he was a sinner he got saved but first of all he saw him in in, uh, Stephen's face he didn't have the look of hell he had the look of heaven as he's being stoned And he looked at him and said, Father, forgive them. He said, don't hold this to their charge. And Paul must have been holding his cloak saying, and he was making havoc of the church. You get mad before you get sad, before you get glad. He was mean as the devil. He was a religious Pharisee that was putting people in jail and killing people and making orphans and widows in the name of his religion. That's how wicked religion is. And he saw Jesus in Stephen and got under Holy Ghost conviction. And praise God, when he was walking down the road to Damascus, he said he saw him and he said, I am what I am by the grace of God. And he said, what I've done, I've done by the grace of God. He's writing this most beautiful book, this most beautiful chapter. The glorified body, the the, the victory over death, the rapture's found in this verse, in these verses. Saul wrote that. And he was a prisoner, and now he's a preacher. Oh, what a transformation. And then the transformation of the Roman Empire in the world, the test of time. The Roman Empire fell, but Christianity is still alive. Amen? Hey, folks, the best legal minds, and I read you the, uh, the, the Harvard Law School founder said that it's without a doubt the evidence is that Jesus is alive. And then your testimony. Jesus has changed you. Amen. If you have, really have a real relationship with the Lord, you know He's alive. Amen. You talk to Him today. Yes. Praise God, you'll talk to Him tomorrow. Right. He'll give you peace that passes understanding. He'll give you things that the world could never give you. Right. Right. And so the strongest testimony, just like Stephen witnessed to Paul when he was dying... And it takes a real man of God to witness while he's hurting. Say amen. You have a witness. It's called a changed life. You love, not like the world. You have peace, not from the world. And praise God, you have power to overcome the world through Jesus Christ. Let me close by saying the resurrection does a few things. Number one, it validates Jesus Christ's claim. John 14, 6, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. But if you look at John 14, 9, and I'm trying to hurry, and a lot of you are so sleepy. Y'all making me sleepy. Please look up. Please perk up. i tell you what will keep you awake. Just say amen when you never said amen in your life. Amen. You can say amen at the wrong time. It'll wake you up. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. People are going to hell. Amen. You know, no, don't do, don't do that. Somebody said they've already been in three services. They don't know why they're here. I'm just glad you're here, brother. Amen. Appreciate your honesty. Look at John chapter 14, verse uh, 9, please. John 14, 9. Love you, brother. The Bible says, Jesus said to him, Have I been so long with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that has seen me has seen the Father. How sayest thou then, show us the Father? Amen. He said, you're looking at God. Now, folks, any, uh, anybody that would say that that's not God is just very prideful, don't you think? I mean, they really hung on themselves. They really, they're, they're really just uh, full of it. But look at verse 16 of the same chapter, John chapter 14. Real quick, I'll close. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter. That he may abide with you forever. Amen. Look at verse 17. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because he seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, and he shall be in you. Amen. Amen. He's saying, in, hey, I'm the way, the truth, and the lie, but I'm God. And not only my God, when I sin, I'm going to send him. He's another Jesus. He's part of the Holy Spirit. He's the paraclete. He comes alongside. He's the comforter. He's the convictor. He's the Holy Ghost. And folks, he's alive because he lives in you and through you. Number two, the resurrection gives absolute hope for the future. The Bible says in John 14, look at verse 19. Yet I, in a little while, and the world seeth me no more. But ye see me, because I live, ye shall live also. What a promise. Because I live, ye shall live also. Back in our chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the Bible says in verse 20, but now is Christ risen from the dead and become the firstfruits of them that sleep. You know what he's saying? I've overcome death, I came out of the grave, and so are you. I'm the first fruits, you're the second fruits. You're the third fruits. You're a bunch of fruitcakes. amen? That's what my preacher told me when I left Claxton, amen? But folks, that's fruit. The fruit of the resurrection is we're going we're to overcome death. We're going to overcome hell. We're going to overcome the grave. The grave cannot hold us. And folks, listen, I'm going to tell you something. It gives absolute hope, absolute hope. If he's not risen, then we're all going to hell. If he's not risen, there is no heaven or hell. If he's not risen, then the funeral's a sad time for every one of you. But if there is a resurrection and you believed in the death, burial, and resurrection, you'll be better off when you die. Amen. And you'll be with Jesus. Number three, it offers spiritual life right now. The Bible says in John 5, 24, and this is one of the greatest verses that we, you can use witnessing and we never, we never share it really. But John chapter five and verse 24 is a beautiful verse on what Jesus' resurrection will do for you. I'll try to close with this thought. John 5, 24. The Bible says this. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word, believeth on him that sent me, hath everlasting life, and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from what? Death unto life. Folks, when you got saved, you had a spiritual resurrection. You passed from death unto life. You're born again, born from above. You're just born, you're born spiritually. You're saved. You have a new life. Romans ten nine says you ought to confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead and thou shall be saved. That kind of settles it, don't it? You can have spiritual life right now. But let me just say real quick, two more things real quick. Amen. Seven oh five. I'll be you'll be out of here at seven twelve, maybe. It offers, it, folks, if, if the resurrection is true, you ought to yield to his resurrection power. You ought to yield to it. I want you to look at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19 and 20. Ephesians 1, 19 and 20. Real quick. I didn't take long with history. I could have, I could have took forever on that. I just wanted to give you the facts. But Ephesians chapter One, verse 20. Let's go back up to verse 19. What a great question. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward? Who believe according to the working of his mighty power? It says, what kind of power is in you? Look at verse 20. Which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him on his own right hand in heavenly places. Far above all principalities, powers, might, dominion, every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in the world to come, he had put all things under his feet and gave them to be the head over all the things of the church, which is in the body, the fullness of him that filleth all and all. What is the exceeding power to usward, he said. And he answers the question Paul did in verse 20. It's the power that was wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead. You have the same power that raised Jesus from the dead living in you. I want you to think about that. Don't, don't close your eyes or you won't wake up. I want you to meditate on that. The same power that raised God up dwelleth in you. So don't say you can't whip that habit. Don't say you can't quit that sin. Say you won't because you can. In Christ you can do all things. Amen. Folks, the resurrection power abides in you. But last but not least, the resurrection not only validates Jesus Christ's claims, gives us absolute hope, offers spiritual life that we ought to yield to now in our lives, day by day, filled with the Spirit of God. But it's a reason to spread the gospel. It's the reason to spread the gospel. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. The Bible says it, for I am not ashamed. Are you ashamed? Of the gospel of, of Christ, death, burial, resurrection. For it is the power of God unto salvation, to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. I just want to say this if you really believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, won't you tell everybody? Won't you tell somebody? Folks, I'm going to tell you something. The only thing that's going to help a person for eternity is the gospel. The only thing that's going to help people get out of this depressing mood that everybody's in in this world is the gospel. The only thing that's going to give people a purpose and peace is the gospel. The only thing that's going to defeat Satan's onslaught against humanity and every person in this room is putting on... Uh, shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel You're gonna in the bible days when they had warfare they had cleats and they dug in and if they ever fell down their head was cut off but he said that you ought to dig in and stand in the power and the preparation of the gospel the shoes of the gospel and folks listen it brings stability it brings security it brings solace and it brings victory Why wouldn't you tell somebody? Why wouldn't you go to somebody's house and knock on their door? You're not representing Wayne Cofield. You're not representing the Baptist denomination. You're trying to tell people that one day you were like the Apostle Paul. You were like any old sinner. You were like the thief on the cross. And you heard the gospel, you heard the message of the death, burial, and resurrection. And that it changed radically your life. And their little Catholic church is not going to be the answer. Their Baptist church is not going to be the answer. Their religion is not going to be their answer. Their good works are not going to be their answer. Their ordinance is not going to be their answer. Their rituals are not going to be the answer. The only answer they have, the only hope they have, the only peace they'll have, the only life they'll have, is the Gospel. Amen. And so, folks, if the, if the Lord, died and he was buried, he was a rose and all these seven evidence says that he did most most important of all, your testimony says he did why don't you do like the disciples and run from the empty tomb or excuse me, like the ladies and go get the other disciples and say, hey listen, he's alive he's alive, he's alive, (laughs) amen and then what did they do? they took off and they looked in and said, you know something, he is alive Let's just go give our lives for the cause. Let's preach. Let's give up our homes. Let's give up our comfort. Let's give up our comfort zone. Let's step out by faith. Let's, uh, let's go below, below the surface, uh, you divers, and let's get down into the deep. Let's, let's go the second mile. Let's give it all. Let's become the witnesses of the resurrection in the last days. That's what, that's what it ought to be. It ought to give us holy boldness, but it ought to give us holy compassion that a world without a living Savior is dying and in death. And And the sentence of death is all over them, and they're under their sins because they cannot pay that debt. Only Jesus can. So why not this week take a gospel track and hand it to somebody and say, this message truly is changed my life. You talk about everything else. You get ready for everything else. You spend money on everything else. Hey friend, you spend hours on everything else. I want to tell you something, friend. You're a big hypocrite if you just send out a hand out a political card and you don't hand out a track. Because I want to tell you something. Those politicians won't save you. Come on now. It's going to get near election time and all we Republicans are going to get on the trail. But I want to tell you something, folks, there's a bigger trail, and there's a more urgent trail than campaigning for Trump. It's called the triumph of the empty tomb. Amen. Say amen right there. Amen. Folks, you listen, you businessmen, you, if you've if you got a business, you hand out cards, you hand out flyers, If you're on your own, praise God, and you ain't got no customers, you're going to do it. And rightfully so, and praise God, you ought to go after it. Make some money. But just tithe and put God first. Say Amen. But I want to tell you something, folks. There's a more important message than your card. There's more important message than making money. There's more important message than your company that you represent. His name is Jesus. Because that company and that money and that politician and that cause and that thing that you're all excited about will not change one life like Christ will change their life. They're dying. They're dead in their sins, trespasses. As Brother Jason preached a couple weeks ago, they're blind. They can't even see. They've already got one foot in the grave. They're trying to dig out by religion. They're trying to dig out by good works. And we've got the good news. Let's take it to them. We a to run to somebody and give them the gospel. The gospel The death, burial, but the life of Christ. Let's pray. Father, I went longer than I intended. Lord, how in the world can you preach on the death, burial, and resurrection in 15 minutes? Or even 30? Lord, I thank you for the attention. I know a lot of people are struggling tonight. They're so very tired. Lord, this is Resurrection Sunday. And I thank you for the great attendance tonight. I thank you for people that made a big effort to be here tonight. I know some people that's in the ICU down in Atlanta would give anything if they could be in their church. And we take it for granted. We take it for granted the health that you've given us to step in this place. We take for granted our salvation. And Lord, I pray, dear, dear God, please, please, God help us to spread the message. Because you're real. and You're alive. God help us to come to you in prayer daily, because you ever liveth on the right hand of God to make intercession for those that are lost. May we come boldly to the throne of grace in the time of need, finding that help. Lord, there's many people that are in desperate situation tonight. I don't know why they're there, but they don't even know why they're there. But dear God, they need somebody that believes there's a living God that'll answer prayer. God so help us to pray Lord thank you for the proof positive evidence Without a doubt That you died That you was buried That through your resurrection You stamped your approval On Calvary You validified When you said it is finished And you receded The payment Because up from the grave God came out To prove Exactly who he said he was, he is. And by the grace of God, we're saved.